Hey everyone, welcome back to The Real Story Podcast. Today we have such a fun interview with contemporary fiction slash women's fiction slash romance author Holly James. So I actually stumbled upon Holly's debut novel, Nothing But the Truth, through my library. I've recently been on a huge library kick because I am trying to curb my spending somewhat in how many books I end up buying. I'm really going to the library, really trying to get my daughter in the habit of going to the library and stumbled upon this book and then read it cover to cover in just one day. And I do read a lot of books in this genre, especially because my next book the other year is going to be in the women's fiction slash book club fiction genre next year. And this book was so refreshing, had so many important messages for women that Holly and I talk about today. And it was just such a reminder, you know, as I was reading her debut and thinking about how exciting it is to be a debut author, when we got into the conversation, her story is so similar to so many other authors that I know where they want to write a novel, they finally get the agent, and then it takes like six or seven years to get that deal. So many failed manuscripts or rejections on manuscripts are not selling the deal. And today is such an important lesson in choosing your genre, making sure that you are writing in the genre that is going to sell. If you do want to be a published author, unfortunately, you have to think about that a little bit in terms of what is going to sell. sell. And Holly really wanted to be a thriller writer, loves to read thrillers. And then during the pandemic, she decided to kind of pivot because those manuscripts weren't selling and sit down and write what would become nothing but the truth. And it sold in two weeks. Now she has three book deals um, and is just, you know, kind of skyrocketing and launching her career, which is so amazing. Well, what is also so amazing about her is that Holly does hold a PhD in psychology She's worth uh, worked both in academia and the tech industry. She lives in Southern California with her husband and her dog. She does maintain her full-time job in, in addition to writing, which I also love because I think a lot of us assume that, you know, if you write a book and get subsequent book deals, like you can just quit your job and go on about your day. But you don't get paid like that. You don't get paid like a regular job. We talk about that a lot on this podcast. And it sometimes puts unnecessary pressure on your craft, on being creative. So I really love this refreshing conversation with Holly James. If you are looking for a fun, interesting, funny, romantic read, please check out her book, Nothing But The Truth. I am now a Holly James fan. I can't wait for her next book. And I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hey guys, I'm Rhea Fry, best-selling author, business owner, wife, mother, but most of all, I'm a human. And I'm Joe Tower, entrepreneur, producer, editor, husband, son, and I am also a human. As writers, we're always digging behind the story of publishing, ego, process, to get to the deeper truth of who we are and why we're here. While we're still pursuing that mission of the Right Way podcast, we wanted a platform where we could talk about being writers as well as being human. Now we'll be spending each episode talking with real people about real shit. This is the real story. All right, Holly. Well, first of all, thank you so much for being here and agreeing to chat about all things books and publishing. Of course. I am thrilled to be here. Awesome. So I, I literally, I'm a fast reader, but I devoured your book in a single day slash night. My husband's like, are we going to go to sleep tonight? Or are you going to read this book? <laughs> it's like, I'm going to read this book. But I, I found it so wildly refreshing for this genre. And I know that it's fiction, but there are so many important messages for women in this book about, I think, cutting out the bullshit that we're taught to buy into and just learning to stay true to who you actually are, which was so lovely to read about in, in a novel. But can you tell us a bit about what Nothing But The Truth is and then where you got the idea for it? Sure. Well, thank you so much. Um, that's exactly what I wanted people to get out of it. <laughs> um, 
so uh, yeah, thank you for that. So yes, this book is about, um, it's about a Hollywood publicist who on the eve of her 30th birthday makes a wish um, to have the perfect day the next day because she's expecting to get a promotion. She expects her boyfriend to propose to her. Um, she's going to land a new client at work. So she wants it all to go perfectly. Um, and her wish seems to go wrong because um, she wakes up the next morning unable to lie. And she can't lie to herself or to anyone else, can't tell, you know, verbal lies, can't really act out anything dishonest. And this pretty much completely revolutionizes her life. Um, it changes, you know, it affects everything from her relationship to her career. Um, so it, yeah, it's, it obviously doesn't actually go wrong. It goes right, but spoiler, sorry. Um, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard it described as a very feminist liar, liar, which I like that, you know, totally. that's kind of how I, I initially pitched I actually... it. Um, thought about that too. I was like, <laughs> this does remind me of that, but in such a, a more kind of modern applicable way for, for women. But yeah, what, I mean, are you like Lucy in the book? Like, do you not lie? Where did you get the idea for this? Cause it, again, it's so refreshing. Yeah, it came to me. Let's see. I wrote this in the summer of 2020. Um, oh. so I actually, at that time I had been working from home for about five months. Um, I know this feels like it was forever ago, back at the, the beginning of the pandemic. Um, yeah. I've been working from home for five months, and I remember having this kind of profound realization one day about how much time I was saving by not going through my routine of, you know, hair and makeup and office outfit and all of that. And I was just like, wow, that's kind of great to not go through all that. And then I started thinking about why I even did that in the first place. You know, where did that come from? Where did those expectations come from? Um, and so I wanted to figure out how I could shape a story around that. I didn't really have like a idea for a plot or anything just like, like what can I do with this you know if, if a woman just was like no I'm not going to do any of that anymore like what would happen in her life um and then speaking of liar liar uh just completely coincidentally out of nowhere my husband was watching it one day like I walked into the living room and the movie was on tv and you know I've I love that movie I've seen it a million times and I I remember thinking like what if this was about a woman like how different would it look if the story was about a woman um and not necessarily in the same sense that like Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey's character is like a pathological kind of degenerate liar, you know, just in the right, sense that like right. this, this forced honesty concept. Um, <clears throat> so those two ideas kind of merge this idea of a woman, like forsaking all the expectations and routines that we go through, um, and being like, you know, forced to do it by some kind of magical intervention. Um, and then yeah, Lucy kind of just popped into my mind. And and I, I went with a, a Hollywood publicist because I needed her to have a profession where dishonesty would cause a problem, um, like kind of comically cause a problem. Um, and it was really, I mean, I love stories about fake Hollywood. So that was really fun to, to kind of play in that arena. That's amazing. Did Now, did you take any lessons from Lucy or do you live your life like this anyway? I mean, have you changed or has there been a change since you've written this book? Um, I think, I don't know if it's directly related to the book or more just kind of the experience of the past two and a half years with the pandemic, you know, changing everything. But I feel like I'm, I'm much more like relaxed about physical appearance. Not that I was ever that, you know, intensely connected to it anyway, but yeah, now I'm kind of like, meh, <laughs> why does it really matter? It, well, it doesn't. Yeah. And I love that so much about this book. Cause I related as I was reading, I was like, Lucy is my person because same thing over the past two years, I was like, I have never liked makeup, so I'm just not going to do it. I don't want to wear uncomfortable clothes. I have vowed never to wear heels again. I, it doesn't feel good. I don't want to wear them. Um, and, and just really thinking through all of the ways women feel like they have to present themselves one way and, and we don't really have to. So I think it, I mean, I thought it was so empowering from that, from that standpoint. It was amazing. Well, thank you. <laughs> I hope so. And that's, that's honestly the best feedback that I get when, you know, I've, I've seen a couple of reviews or have been tagged in like social media reviews where people will say like, um, I related to this so much and I, you know, I'm just saying yes, all while I'm reading it and I want to stand up for myself and change things. And I'm like, oh, yay. I can't, I can't even like describe how much that means to me to, to have oh, I've had that impact on readers. Well, and so you said you sat down to write it. There wasn't really a plot in mind. Had you tried to write a novel before that? Or it was this just like, I'm just going to do this now. Like <laughs> you always wanted to do this or was this something that just like dropped in for you? Yeah, no, totally not. So um, I, uh, this was, gosh, I don't even know how many manuscripts I have shelved at this point, but um, this was my first attempt at like 
comedy women's fiction kind of thing. So I actually signed with my lit agent as a thriller writer. Um, nice. And yeah, so back in um, the 2019, <laughs> signed as a thriller writer and my first book out on submission didn't sell. Um, <clears throat> and then my agent and I kind of went back and forth with other project ideas and didn't really love any of them, you know? Um, and then I think during the, the lockdown of the pandemic, I kind of went like everyone a little stir crazy and I was just craving something a little more lighthearted and fun, a little more spirited. Um, and this idea just popped into my head and I didn't, it, it really was my first attempt to like write something kind of funny. I hope it's funny. Um, but I remember like, I, I wrote like the first three chapters and I actually sent them to my mom and I was like, like, is this funny? Can I do comedy? And of course she was like, this is, you know, mom, a completely unbiased source. Um, <clears throat> but when I pitched it to my agent, I remember telling her like, I wasn't really sure what genre it was, you know, cause it's, I wouldn't, I I'm reluctant to call it romance. Cause that, that's, you know, the romance, it's a very, um, right. This is a subplot element. Um, although it is in there, I think it's more women's fiction. Um, yes. Uh, so yeah, I, I pitched it to her like, I don't know what this is, but here it is anyway, you know, and, and she actually really loved it, which was great. So, um, yeah. I love that. I have a very similar experience. Experience when I wrote my debut in 2018, I was like, I don't know what genre this is going to be in. And they put me in the domestic suspense genre. So then from, from then on, that was what I was expected to write. So for you, you know, going forward with subsequent books, do you want to stay in this genre? Do you want to move back to thriller? Do you want to do both? Have you, have you thought about it? That's, I mean, I ask myself that question every day. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's, it's so fascinating to me. Um, so outside of, outside of writing, I'm actually a psychologist. Um, so I think about, I think about thinking all the time. Um, and it's just been kind of fascinating to experience it and then to observe other people experiencing it, this kind of mental and emotional shift that has occurred during the pandemic. And I, like I said, you know, I, I was really into like dark, like brooding thriller type of stuff. And then I think just the reality of the past couple of years, my brain like flipped a switch and like, I almost, it's almost like I can't do it (laughs) anymore. You know, I've tried to write something dark and this more lighthearted fair just comes out, comes to me so much more easily. Um, and it just, it brings me joy in a way that the other didn't. Um, it's, it's hard to describe, but I do actually, so my second book, um, is already through copy edits it's you know the cover reveal should be hopefully someday soon um but that'll be out next summer in the in the same genre although it leans more towards rom-com um more traditional rom-com than this did um and then my third book actually we just sold uh last week so which is also thank you also in in the the rom-com genre women's fiction genre so that's so fun is it all with the same publisher did you go yeah yeah same publisher So a lot of listeners for this podcast want to get published um, in various genres, but can you kind of walk us through that process? So you said you got your agent, you know, maybe thinking you were going to write thrillers, but what was the process like of finding an agent and then actually getting the book deal? Because so many people think, oh, you get a book deal and you can quit your job and everything's great. You're going to sell millions of copies and live happily ever after. And it's, it's not always like that. <laughs> if only, if only. If only. Um, yeah. So I, let's see, to go back several years now. So I started um, like seriously pursuing traditional publishing in 2016. I started querying in 2016 um, as a thriller writer. And I queried for three years. Um, took me a long time. I didn't know anybody in the industry. You know, I started completely from scratch, like 100% slush pile success story here. <laughs> um, I, you know, just did a bunch of research online, how to write a query letter. Um, I connected with other other writers in the same kind of stage of their their career to commiserate essentially and, and learn from each other. Um, and yeah, over actually, true story. The very first query I ever sent um, went just the the uh, agent at the agency who was the best fit for it. She happened to be the president of that agency. And she responded with a full request the next day. And I was like, this is going to be so easy. Um, and then <laughs> three years later, you know, um, it's yeah. not easy. I mean, sometimes that, you know, that does, that does happen from people, for people and they get the deal, you know, they get the representation, the deal right off the bat, but not me. Um, yeah, very, uh, intense learning experience, uh, over three years. I think in that time frame, I queried five different manuscripts, um, all within the like 
adult psychological thriller genre. Uh, got pretty close with some of them. Um, I even went through like an exclusive revise and resubmit with one of them, which looking back on it, I probably wouldn't have done that again because it just kind of, you know, limited, limited the options um, <clears throat> for a long chunk of time. Uh, and then the fifth manuscript was the one that landed me my agent. Um, and that was in like the spring of 2019. And I think I, I was trying to remember how it all went down. I think she had done like a, the manuscript wish list hashtag on Twitter, you know, like I'm looking for mm-hmm. fill in the blank. And I thought it was a good match. Um, so I sent it to her and I want to say she responded with a full request in like two weeks, maybe. Um, and then by the t- when I sent it, I had a, an offer from her within like a couple days. Um, which was, you know, thrilling and what I had been waiting for. And at that point you're like, I did it. And then you have no idea what's still coming. (laughs) Um, um, But that is something I've learned in this whole publishing realm to like really celebrate those moments. Cause you know, they'll celebrate anything because they're, they're few and far between and you know, there are extreme highs and extreme lows. So anything that you can kind of like, you know, sink your grip into and be like, yes, this is a, a small metric of success <laughs> um, to really indulge in those things and celebrate. Um, so yeah, that first book, let's see. So that would have been like spring of 2019. I signed with her and then we went on sub that summer. Um, and I also happened to be getting married that summer. So that was super fun to have, have coincide there. Um, and that book I think was on sub for like um, six or seven months, went through two rounds um, before we shelved it. And then that's when I was playing with different ideas. And eventually, um, I guess it was probably like almost a year later that I, I wrote nothing but the truth. Um, and then that one went on submission in January of 2021 and it sold at auction in two weeks. That's amazing. So yeah, incredibly different experience <laughs> from the first yes. round. Um, and, and it's that- so Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say that. I think that moment was kind of that made me realize like, oh, maybe I should be writing this genre, you know, <laughs> like there's your sign. Well, and that's what I was going to say is especially during the pandemic, everything I heard was like editors really want something that's a little bit more uplifting, a little bit, you know, brighter because we were just all in the thick of it. And we were I was trying to sell something really dark during that time. And my agent was like, I mean, thrillers are still selling, but like people are really wanting an escape from all of this like doom and gloom. So the timing for you seems to be, or seem to be perfectly on point, which is amazing. And I want to talk about debuting, um, a little bit because being a debut author, I feel like there's nothing like it because, you know, you still have all, you still have all of these like hopes and dreams and anything can happen. And it, it's exciting. And I mean, I know debuting anywhere near, um, you know, a pandemic's not always the most fun, but what has launch been like for you? Has it been, have you done a lot of in-person events? Has it been mostly online? Um, just kind of take us through what, what your launch has been like. And if you put in a lot of like organization and effort or just have been more open and in flow with it. (laughs) I'm yeah, I'm a pretty like go with the flow kind of person. And this is obviously as a debut, my first experience with this. So I'm not really sure what to expect. Um, that's, that's one thing I found. I mean, publishes publishing is so mysterious and it's oh, <laughs> and yeah. like every, every single, per, it's like every single, every single book is just a case study. So it's hard to like generalize across and like, you know, this is what you should expect to happen. And so, um, I've kind of just been figuring out, figuring it out as I've gone along, but I do have a lot of, um, support from other, you know, authors who've been through it and can kind of guide me in certain ways. Um, but my book came out in the middle of July. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were able to do in-person events. Um, and I, I had received advice from more mature authors that, uh, you should just make a big deal out of it, you know, like yeah. throw yourself a party, send yourself flowers, order the cake. So I, I did all of that and I'm so glad I did. It was so much fun. Um, and I know you have read my book. So the, the restaurant, um, where Lucy's birthday takes place, that's a real restaurant in LA. And I actually threw a party there. Oh, oh, I love that. Love that. So yeah, it's a rooftop restaurant in downtown LA. Um, and I invited, you know, my closest friends and family and we just went all out and had this big dinner party. Um, and I did that the weekend before the Tuesday that my book came out. And then on the day, the Tuesday, my publisher had coordinated a launch event at a local bookstore, um, where I live. And that was actually like, 
I, I, I didn't expect anyone to show up other than, you know, my friends and family. And so when there were, when there were strangers there who had come to see me, I was, I was like, wow, this is real. You know, um, it was, it was really cool. Actually. I, I, I was able to do a, an interview in, um, the, like the big local paper here. And, um, there was an article about me in the book and then people at my launch event said they had come because they had read that article. And so, I was just, I was like, wow, it's all working. It's all coming together. You know? Um, so yeah, other than that, I think those were my only two kind of like in, like live in-person events, everything else. I've done a bunch of podcasts um, and just like written interviews and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I would continue to enjoy doing <laughs> events. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Do you, you know, just going through this launch and, you know, it's, it's interesting because like within your publishing team, you know, they'll push the book for about six weeks and then they like, they move on. So it's up to us as authors to like continue, you know, pushing and doing events. And I like to think about sales as a very, having like a long sales tale instead of trying to like cram everything in, in a few weeks. But would you do anything differently for your next book? Have you learned any lessons about launching and, and what you like to do versus what you don't? That's a great question. I don't know if I've thought enough about that yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but I'm sure, you know, it'll, it'll be here soon next summer. I did really like the in-person event. I was afraid I was going to be super awkward and uncomfortable, but, um, I mean, I was a little bit, um, but once I got into the flow, so I did the whole like in conversation with another yeah. author thing, yeah. I, had a, I had a very gracious co-host, um, and, uh, she made it very, you know, relaxed and comfortable. Um, so I would do that again. That was really fun. It's, it's fun to kind of, you know, like take audience questions live. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what else is there? What <laughs> I feel like so much, everything has gone virtual, you know, it's all, these, it, I, it has, yeah, I really, I really do like, like this kind of thing, like podcast interviews. Um, I know a lot of people will do like Instagram live kind of things. Um, it's fun to just like pop into conversations and listen sure. to what authors are saying. So yeah. And I want to talk about that. So, you know, when you become an author, like the phrase author platform is everywhere and everything, especially more, I feel like for nonfiction authors, but you know, so much falls on us as authors to promote, to be the social media whizzes, the marketing people, your own publicists in many ways, but what elements of building that author platform and community do you enjoy? Are you a fan of social media? Would you rather just spend your time writing books and leave the marketing to the pros? Like, where do you fall in that category? I think probably like somewhere in the middle. So I actually just, just last week, um, attended this like social media one-on-one course that my, that my publisher, um, held. And it was, it's really interesting. You know, I, I try to remind, remind myself that pretty much at any company in, in modern times, there's a specific person whose entire job is social media. And so I, I, I think of that in the sense of like, I need to cut myself a break because I'm not that person and I don't have that skill set. So I'm doing, you know, I'm doing what I can, I'm doing the best that I can. Um, and also actually, interestingly, back in my graduate school career, um, when I was studying psychology, I specifically studied social media. So I studied like kind of the cognition and emotion around social media use. So I'm very aware of, of how it uh, impacts everything. Um, so I, you know, try to keep a, keep a handle on that. Um, but I will say I have found, so I'm primarily on Twitter and Instagram. I'm afraid of TikTok. Um, oh God. I, I have, <laughs> I have a, a now 19 year old niece, my husband's niece, who she offered to be my like TikTok manager. And sometimes I think about taking her up on it. Um, but, uh, yeah, on Twitter, I have a much larger following on Twitter and that became, or that came out of all my years of querying. Mm -hmm. So I found that, that Twitter's better for me and a few other authors have experienced as well for like, like industry networking. So that's where you build your network of other authors and, you know, agents, publishers, uh, editors, that's kind of like the, I feel like that's kind of a, a good window into well, at least part of part of the industry, you know? Um, and then Instagram, I found success in connecting with readers. So like yeah. bookstagram is obviously completely reader book focused. Um, and I'm still, I created a, um, author Instagram account hardly a year ago. Um, so I'm very yeah. slowly like adding to it. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah. And I found, so I'm always trying to like, you know, outsmart the algorithm and <laughs> figure oh, out the algorithm. <laughs> um, it's insane. But I've, I've found an interesting pattern on Twitter. At least my tweets that get the most traction are the ones about my publishing journey. 
Um, yeah. And I think that's largely a reflection of me being followed by a bunch of other writers, you know? So the ones where I'm like, like my book's on sale, you know, I get a, like, a handful of likes, but the ones where I'm like, it took me seven years to publish this book. I get like 15,000 likes. So totally. um, yeah, I don't know how to use that to my advantage. I haven't figured that out yet, but that is a pattern I've definitely noticed. Probably just what you're doing, you know? I mean, that that's the thing. It's it's hard as authors, like if you're creating social media around being an author, it's like we think we have to only talk about books, but they want to know the person as well and our ups and downs and struggles and, you know, just I think we forget that we're real people with other <laughs> interests besides just writing. Um, but it it's funny. I always, I talk about it at length on this podcast, but I want to be an author without social media. Um, and I've deleted everything, but Instagram, um, which is, which has been super, super interesting to, to kind of see, and it remains to be seen how, how I'll do. Um, but running a business for writers, you know, homeschooling my child writing, I just didn't have the mental space for it. And I didn't feel like I was getting at this point in my career, sales and reaching more readers is what matters to me the most. And I don't know, I felt like with all the, yeah, the algorithms are always changing. And I just had, I was like, I'm going to focus on the one where I do feel like readers are and, and just kind of go all in there and see, you know, see what happens. So we'll see. Yeah, that's, that's that's (laughs) something. Yeah. That was a big takeaway message from that social media course I just mentioned they were saying like play to your strengths you know if you're if you like like short quippy statements go with Twitter and if you're more like visual and storytelling go with Instagram and whatever TikTok is no one has figured it out yet um (laughs) um, and and also too like if if you know if you like hate social media and you're forcing it that will come across in your posts and you don't want don't want that yeah completely yeah so you have now sold three books which is so amazing and as you said like I don't know I think we it's hard to sometimes take the time to celebrate our wins because they can seem fleeting and it's very, very important to do that. But, you know, in terms of your profession, are you still a psychologist? Do you still have a full-time job or have you made the transition to become a full-time writer? Oh, a hundred percent still have a full-time job. I have like three (laughs) meetings immediately after this. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a millennial in California with a PhD's worth of student loan debt. So barring a miracle in publishing, I'm going to be having two jobs, two careers for a long time. Um, And, you know, I think about that all the time Mm -hmm. that I have a person who needs a lot of mental stimulation. um, And I think if I move to full-time writing, I think I would really miss my scientific career. Um, I'm not, I'm not a a clinical psychologist. I'm not like a therapist or a counselor. I'm like a, more like a research psychologist. Um, So I, conduct research studies all day long and I'm, you know, work with data and numbers. And so I feel like that very analytical side of my brain needs fuel and stimulation. Um, and also the creative side of my brain really needs <laughs> fuel and stimulation too. So I feel like they, they can't, they need each other. You know, I feel like if I gave up one, the other would, would suffer. Um, so yeah, I don't, I mean, if I was ever in the position of having, being able to leave a, a full-time day job, day job, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. <laughs> And I love it. I love that you said that. So refreshing because sometimes I feel like if you put all of your financial, you know, uh, life into just being a creative, it kind of puts a weird pressure on it um, that if you have other sources of income, it's just, I don't know. I'm the same as you. Like I'm, I mean, I have attached my entire life to the publishing industry, which is insane because like you said, it is the most mysterious industry <laughs> on earth, but it's so nice to not have that full blown pressure of like, got to make the sale, got to, you know, got to do X, Y, and Z. So I love that. I think that's really, really refreshing. Um, and in terms of, so a lot of us as authors go into this, just wanting the deal and, or wanting to get published, but we don't set specific goals. Have you, do you have specific goals that you would like to see for this book? Have you thought about that at all? Um, I think yes. Um, but I also quickly realized that so much in publishing is just out of the author's control. Um, so, you know, I, it's, I feel like it's kind of dangerous to attach, you know, a goal to create a goal and, and you can't do anything about it really, you know, then you're just setting yourself up for disappointment and failure in that sense. Um, so I guess I, I have, 
like a wish list maybe is a better way to frame yeah, it. Yeah. What's your wish um, list? What's your wish list? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so when, when this book was out on submission, actually, we got so much feedback about, um, it being a movie, like so many of the editors were like, is this a screenplay? Should it be? And I was like, shoot, should I have written a screenplay? I don't know. <laughs> um, yes. and so actually when it, um, when it sold, I'm just trying to remember the timeline of how it all happened. Um, my literary agent set me up with a film agent who she works with be just because we had so much, so much interest in it. Um, and I had, you know, one of the most exciting, like daydreamy phone calls I've ever had about like, who would play Lucy? Who do you want to direct this? Like what studio? Oh. And I was like, ah, is this real? You know? Um, and then, you know, unfortunately Hollywood moves even slower than publishing. Oh. <laughs> so that was quite, quite some time ago at this point. Um, but I'm still, you know, I've stopped holding my breath for it, but still, you know, fingers crossed. Um, and that's, I, I feel like it, you know, just the, the story itself, but the pacing of the story really lends itself to, you know, it could easily oh. be, be a movie, um, which that would be amazing, obviously. Um, and if that happens. Or a show, or a show. Well, I mean, yeah. when I was reading it, I was like, oh, this is, I mean, that's how I saw it was on screen. And you're so right. And it's so important for people to understand that. Like I got a movie deal in 2018. Do you think anything's happened with that? <laughs> Dropping another one, it's like, when's that movie coming out? And it's like maybe in 15 years, if yeah. I'm lucky. like it, it yeah. does move so slow. But I feel like the nature of your book specifically and what again, what viewers are really wanting, I, I think it's so perfect. And I think it is made for the screen. So that is that is oh, beyond thank you. I hope that happens for you. Um, so take me because you do have a full-time job, take me through. A typical writing day for you? Are you a daily writer, a morning writer? Do you try to hit a word count? Um, I'm always fascinated by how people fit writing in <laughs> their very, very busy lives. Yeah, I'm I'm always fascinated by just creativity in general. I love hearing other people's stories and how how ideas come to them and how they put them on paper and everything. Um, so happy to share my own. Um, yeah, I am a total uh pantser. Me too. <laughs> I'm, I'm a binge <laughs> binge writing pantser for sure. So I yeah, my day job um is pretty demanding and very mentally mentally taxing. Um <clears throat> so oftentimes I'll find myself if I'm trying to write on a weekday, I'll sit at my computer and I can just like feel my brain like oozing out of my ear and I'm like, all right, this is not happening. Um, but I guess maybe to back up a little bit, I think I, I write relatively quickly. So I'll draft in like, I don't know, eight to 10 weeks, like a full, full manuscript. Um, and so I get, it's like a very intense, I don't know, experience. I don't know what the right word is. Um, I, like I, kind binge. Of, I mean, binge, binge. Oh yeah, totally. That's amazing. Cause I'm the same exact way. I love yeah. that, that term for like, writing. I'll go into this kind of like trance and like, think of nothing else. And like, I think my, my husband has learned to kind of like, leave me alone when I'm like, and yeah. Um, so when I'm in one of those trances, um, I, I do, you know, 90% of my writing on weekends. Um, so I'll, if I'm, if I'm drafting, on a, on a weekday, I can usually squeeze in depending on, depending on how early my like day job meetings start. Um, I can squeeze in like a, an hour, you know, like seven to 8am or eight to 9am. Um, and then I try to squeeze in another hour later if I have enough energy. And I, I have learned about myself that if I, if I stay mentally stimulated too late, I won't go to sleep. So I try to cut myself off at like nine or 10pm just to like wind down um, and go to sleep. So yeah, on a good weekday, I probably get in two to three hours. Um, yeah, that's awesome. If I'm lucky, and then on a weekend, it's like completely different story. Like forsake everything, don't get out of my pajamas, just sit in front of the computer. Um, I can crank out, you know, I don't know, eight to twelve thousand words, depending on where I'm at in the story and how I'm flowing. But it's to the point where like, you know, I'll get up and I'll like have breakfast, I'll walk the dog and then I'll sit down and then I'll like look up and I'm like, oh, it's 4 p.m. and I haven't showered. <laughs> That's total. I mean, I, I've been reading so much about, um, I'm reading a book called Stolen Focus, um, but just about being in flow and how we don't often find flow anymore because of our phones and because of the constant distractions. We're not able to find flow, but I, in the same way, my husband jokes that he could be on fire when I'm writing and literally like flapping his arms in front of me. And I wouldn't, I would not see him. Cause it is, it's such an out of body, no time. It is. It's amazing. It's amazing. It truly is. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. My, um, 
my husband has learned on, on those weekends where I'm like that to like, he'll very, very kindly take over. Like, like he'll go grocery shopping, you know, cause he's learned if I go out in public, I'm just like a zombie, like not listening or paying any attention, um, which is great. Um, yeah. I was going to say something else too about, oh, Hello. the word, the word count question. Yeah. So I usually, I don't, I never really think in terms of word count. I think in terms of like scenes, um, so I, I, uh, yeah, like I have an idea. So since I'm a total pantser, you know, I, I don't know what's happening until it's happening kind of thing. Um, and I can, I sometimes know, you know, like a big pivotal scene farther down, down the line, but I'm always thinking like the next immediate scene and how I'm like, how I'm going to get from A to B. Um, and so I, that's, that's where I'll go into flow and like spew out 5,000 words to get through, you know, that chunk of the story. Um. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I guess if I do set goals, it's more around that. Like, you know, I want to get through this scene by the end of the weekend kind of thing. I love that. And I love like that you, because that's a, that's, that's the thing. I think a lot of people think if they don't write every single day that they can't possibly write a book and that's not true at all. And I love this idea of just binge writing and being a binge pantser because I am so the same way and always write my books in really tiny containers, but you do get so, I get so obsessive that it's like, I couldn't possibly maintain this pace for like a whole year or two years, which, Oh no. But do that. I'm like, I would be, the, the story would be so different and I'd be so bored with it. And it would have changed. Yeah. It's like, it's a purge. It's like a binge writing. Cause you're purging out whatever exactly. it is. It's, it's interesting. It's healthy, exactly. And healthy binging and purging. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, I've had this really experience. So my, all of my book deals have been single book deals. So yeah. the, the subsequent that. ones have been like the option, right. The option in the, in the contract. Right. Um, and to sell an option, you have to have sample chapters and a synopsis. And a synopsis is just like the worst possible oh. thing you can do to a pantser. <laughs> I'm like, I can write a book proposal for a nonfiction client, hundred pages in my sleep. You tell me to write a synopsis. I just sold a book based on partial and I had to do a synopsis. And it was like, it's like, I'm, I'm the worst. It's like the most fundamental rudimentary thing you've ever read in your life. It's like, are you a writer? Because you suck. At it's, no, it's the hardest thing. I, so when I was, when I pitched book two, um, to my agent, you know, she loved the idea. She loved the hook. She loved the sample. And I think she got super excited. Like, Oh, we can send this in next week. You know, then she was like, Oh, we need a synopsis. And then that, Oh my God, that was like torture. It was so hard. Um, just to, to force myself to think of the rest of the story. And what, what I observed and learned from doing that is it's like, I almost, this is hard to describe, but it's like, I almost lose the joy of that story because it's been purged out of me. Right. Because the joy yes. of writing for a panther is discovering it as you go along. Yes. And if I'm forced to like figure out how it ends and like get it out of my mind, then it's go like, all right, well, that one's done on to the next one, you know? So, and it's, it's so yeah. weird and it's hard. It's emotionally very challenging <laughs> to that deal with that. So interesting. So for your second and third books that you sold, was it just based on a partial, like, so just synopsis and sample chapters. And then like for your second book, cause that's already written. Did it change a bunch from the synopsis? No, it didn't. So it was, oh, yeah, okay. it was, I think it was in my contract. It's like, three chapters in a synopsis or something. But in both cases, I think I, I wrote like, it was like a hundred pages, hundred oh, pages, wow. so like six or seven ish chapters. Um, um, and yeah, from the synopsis of book two to the actual finished manuscript, um, I don't think it changed nothing significant. It may have been a oh, few yeah. tiny little plot tweaks. Um, yeah. And the same with, so I've, yeah, the, um, book three right now is still just the sample and the synopsis. I haven't, haven't continued writing it. Um, cause it literally just sold last week. So yeah, <laughs> uh, I, have, I have several months at this point to work on it. <laughs> it's so amazing though. So tell me, and I know it's, you know, your book just came out in July, but so far, what is your favorite thing about being a published author and then your least favorite thing? Ooh, favorite thing favorite probably form. yeah probably like what I mentioned earlier the responses um from readers where they're saying they find this empowering and it's made them want to you know change something in their life or speak up about something um that just ugh, it makes me like cry every time I think about yeah, it that's huge. so to have that impact um that just is really incredible 
Um, my least favorite thing, I out of my way to not uh, encounter any reviews. Like I don't actively seek out reviews. If someone tags me in something on Instagram, you know, I'm like, you know, I, I hesitate every time. I'm like, oh, do I want to read it? Um, but the ones actually tip to all bookstagrammers out there. <laughs> don't tag you if it's a terrible review. <laughs> exactly, that, that. But also if it's a good review in like the opening line, right? Like I love this or stars or something because that's the preview of the tag that the author sees and that'll make them be like, oh, okay, I want to read it. Um, sure. But yeah, what I hate is when I like, I try really hard to to not read any reviews and then like Amazon will find a way to like shove it in your face. Like I was looking for something else. I was looking for another book or something the other day on Amazon and it like recommended my own book to me. And then of oh. course I see the stars and I was like, oh, I my effort. God, that I actually want to come up with a compilation, um, a, just a review compilation book and get all my author friends to submit their most ridiculous one star reviews because some of them are so ridiculous and these readers take it so personally. And it's like, what, why, why? I mean, they're, they're kind of funny. You have to have a sense of humor about it, but I, I learned that early on, like, you know, take the good with the bad, but once your book is out of your hands, it doesn't belong to you anymore. It is the readers, they're all going to have a different response. No book is going to be universally loved or hated. And you just kind of got to like, be okay with it really. Yeah, I know. I know. I think that's, I've adopted that attitude when I come across some kind of criticism. I'm like, well, nothing I can do about it. You know, I'm not going to rewrite the book. <laughs> well, exactly. So, oh, let me just go back and, and fix yeah. uh, every single thing that you wanted me to change. Um, this so, one person. <laughs> yeah. One person for this one person. Um, so last question before just a fun little lightning round that we like to end these podcasts with. Um, what do you think people often misunderstand the most about the publishing industry and about being a published author? Um, probably like what we mentioned earlier, that it's this kind of instant fame and fortune situation. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember when I, when I signed with an agent, like the next week, people were like, Oh, when does your book come out? I'm like, well, <laughs> there are years between this and that. Um, Yes. Um, that and the whole like, oh, you can quit your day job kind of kind of attitude. A lot of people don't realize, you know, the way they don't understand the flow of money in publishing. Like even if you got, you know, a, a high six figure book deal, it's yep. usually split up into quarters. 15% goes to your agent. It's heavily taxed. Yep. So it's not it's not the chunk of money they think it is. Um, yeah, that and and also kind of the the initial when I when my first book sold the the um attitude of like like oh i've thought of writing a book before like just i don't know it feels kind of dismissive of 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 what you've been through to get to where you are where people like i know they're just trying to like relate to you on some level but sure. i don't think people understand how that comes across <laughs> to someone well, who's, and who's gone through the struggle 80 <laughs> percent of all people want to write a book but like how many people actually ever do so it's it yeah. is this like weird universal like oh i want to do that i've thought about doing that but to sit down and do it into a, like you sold three books in such a short period of time. It hasn't been overnight, but a lot of people who are discovering you are like, oh, well, she just got a three book deal. So I can too. So it's no one sees. I think that's why people do respond like on Twitter, like you were saying to that struggle, um, because so many of us do meet rejection and this industry is so much about resilience and yeah, like bumping up against those nose time and time again. So that's, you know, it's really important to keep in mind, like what a journey this actually is. Definitely. Um, okay. So we always end um, our interviews with just a fun little lightning round, just kind of saying the first thing that pops into your head. Um, okay. There we go. No, no, this is um, okay. So, so far, I know it's really early, but best moment as a published author. Ooh, um, probably actually it happened just last weekend. I went into, I was at home for my best friend's wedding and in my hometown. Um, and I got to go into my childhood bookstore and find my own book. I saw that on Instagram and I was like, <laughs> those are the moments. Those are the yeah. moments. That is huge. Yeah. That, I mean, nothing will probably top that. Um, the biggest thing you've learned on your path to publication. Biggest thing I've learned, I think patience be patient with myself and with this whole journey and process. Cause there's not much you can do to speed it up. <laughs> if anything. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I 
favorite thing to do when not working? Uh, I love hiking, being outdoors, exploring the wilderness. Yes. One thing you wish and reading and reading and reading. Um, One thing you wish all writers knew. Oh, um, kind of goes back to patience again. I think, I, I think my favorite piece of writing advice is to allow yourself a bad first draft. That took me a long time to understand and accept. Um, and ever since I have, it has improved, improved my craft and my emotional well-being. <laughs> the, you know, knowing that it doesn't have to come out perfect the first, the first time. Yeah. Love that. Such great advice. Um, if you weren't a writer or a psychologist, you'd be. <laughs> oh, I think I've always kind of wanted to be like a marine biologist. <gasps> I love, I love yes. the ocean and marine animals. Yes. Oh, and the ocean needs our help. Oh my God. Um, how do you stay grounded in daily life with all its distractions and noise? Oh, I don't know if I do stay grounded. Um, <laughs> I think I, um, I walk my dog a lot. <laughs> That's helpful. That's grounding. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I'm, I'm very don't have a lot of downtime. Um, and I, I'm one of those people who unfortunately will like, don't realize I'm burning out until I'm burned out. Um, until I'm like collapsed on the floor. So I think, uh, I could probably do better at grounding myself. Um, yeah. but I do. Yeah. I definitely, when I need time to like relax and calm down, I, I like, I don't know, watch a movie, walk my dog, yeah. Yeah. hang out with my husband. <laughs> that can be grounding. Uh, wine or beer? Oh, champagne. Is that an champagne. option? That's champagne. That counts. Uh, coffee <laughs> or tea? Oh gosh. Uh, neither. I actually don't drink caffeine. Oh. I'm like the only writer in the world who doesn't. That I'm so <laughs> impressed. I am so impressed. Um, fiction or nonfiction? Fiction. Yes. Um, best book you've read so far this year? Ooh, um, I actually recently just absolutely inhaled the audiobook of Jeanette McCurdy's um, memoir. I'm glad my mom died. That was incredible, yes. devastating, but incredible. Um, that I can never give one book to answer this question. Sorry. Oh, no. No, um, no. I loved, I love the Dead Romantics, Ashley Poston's book. Um, and then um, uh, The Last Housewife, Ashley Winstead's new thriller, very dark, like, female revenge cult thriller. Super, super good. Yes. Um, would you ever self publish and why or why not? Oh, I don't think so because I know that I don't have that skill set. Yeah. I I don't, I just don't have what it takes to manage that hustle of all the branding and marketing and yeah. Yep. And hats off to people who do, cause I, (laughs) a job it's a, yeah. I'm uh, saying same. Um, what types of writing would you like to see more of in the world? Um, I don't know. That's, that's a hard question. I think I'm trying to, this isn't going to really answer your question, but I'm trying to like expand what I read. Cause I'm, I am really like when I have time to read, I want to read something that I know I'm going to love. So I like stick to my, you know, like thrillers. Um, that's my go-to. Um, so I'm trying really hard to expand into, um, you know, kind of different categories. Uh, and then I'm, and I'm always pleasantly surprised. I'm like, Oh, I do, you know, I do love this like literary fiction or, you know, yeah. different genre. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm not answering your question. Cause I don't know. <laughs> well, no, I think that's great though. Like expanding, like I got my start in poetry and I'm like, do I, I don't even read poetry anymore. Like that's, you know, it would, it would be nice to kind of celebrate some, some different, different genres for sure. Um, what, or if it's a person who has had the biggest impact on your writing. Ooh. Um, I mean, I think reading, like I, I read, you know, voraciously my whole life I've, I've read nonstop, but I think if I had to like pin down an author um Gillian Flynn's probably my number one all-time favorite you know yep. and I I read just I don't think that I could ever write anything as dark and creepy and wonderful as she does but just the it's so atmospheric and absorbing and I just I just yes. love how she wasn't afraid to step into that you know the just like female rage and yes kind of something we hadn't seen before and I just admire her and 
in many ways. Absolutely. And then lastly, what's an author in your genre that you think everyone should read? Oh, an author in my genre. I think everyone should read. Um, mm, there's so many. So many. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I've, I, you know, in, in, um, debuting this year, I've made a lot of like author friends, you know, I've discovered, discovered books that I, I really like. Um, so I can mention some of those. I loved um, Ava Wilder's How to Fake It in Hollywood. I, that was one of my favorite reads this year. Um, Meredith Shore, um, as seen on TV. There's a trend here, I just realized. I like all the like <laughs> TV movies. Um, oh gosh, I, my bookshelf is downstairs. I would have a better reference point. Yeah. So I read a lot of things this year. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about, I mean, I, you know, there's the huge names in the genre that of course are always a joy to read, but I'm always excited to, to discover some new ones and, yes. and help lift, lift up the new voices and support Absolutely. the debuts. So important. Um, and then just lastly, what are you working on next? Can you tell us a little bit about your upcoming release for next year and then where readers can find out more about you, your books and your work? Sure. So book two is called The Deja Glitch. Um, and it's it's a play on a time loop story. And it's actually, it's again set in LA, kind of on the, the edge of the entertainment industry, the, the music industry this time. Um, and it's about these strangers who are stuck in a time loop. Um, but the catch is the guy can remember the whole loop and the girl feels like every day is the first day that they've met. Um, and to get out of the loop, they have to fall in love. And Aww. by the time we meet them, by the time we intersect the story as a reader, it's been several months and the guy's like totally head over heels for her. And she's like, who are you? Um, and yeah. And my, uh, my editor actually described it as like 50 first dates from Drew Barrymore's perspective. And I yeah. honestly, I hadn't even thought about it until she said that. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's exactly what it is. Except we, the reader, you only see a single day of the loop. So it's not like cycling through over and over and over. Um, so yeah, I'm super, I love that one so much. It's, I just want it to feel like it's like squeezing your heart, you know? Yes. Um, and so that'll be out next summer. Super excited about that. Um, yeah. And then book three, like I said, just sold last week. So it hasn't even been announced yet, but I, I can say that one is also, um, a more traditional rom-com and it's like a, uh, like enemies to lovers, second chance story about a reality TV game show. Fun. Is as detailed as I can be. Fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Um, and then, yeah, where can readers connect with you? I am very active on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at, at Holly M. James. Um, and then my website is hollyjamesbooks.com. Amazing. Well, Holly, thank you so much. This was such a fun conversation. And I'm so glad to have discovered you and your books because I, I will be waiting with bated breath until the next Great. <laughs> no, it was so exciting when you reached out to me. I, I was actually on vacation in Hawaii. and. I had never gotten, I didn't know you could like send a voicemail on Instagram. I'm, I'm so, the biggest like, voice. I hate texting. I was like, ooh, so. <laughs> I was like, what is this? I don't know. And then I heard it and I got so excited. So thank you so much for, for enjoying reading my book and enjoying it and giving me this opportunity to discuss with you. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Right Way Presents The Real Story. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and comment. And for more information on The Real Story and Right Way, visit rightwayco.com.